This is Matt Spiegel, and I can't wait to bring you Season 2 of the PBP, Voices of Baseball. The very best play-by-play voices in the game talk about their craft. It's a job so special that even Joe Buck told us he will probably go back to it. I'm 53, basically 54. I, I think it's too early to say nevers at this point in my life. I think at some point I'll get the itch again. Incredible guests sharing great stories from your favorite teams coming this year. Find us on the Odyssey app or wherever you find podcasts. Well, the Bears have an offensive coordinator, Dan. The announcement has not yet been made, but the news has been reported. Shane Waldron, former Seahawks offensive coordinator and play caller, the new Bears OC. What do you think? Yeah, as we record this, Bears are trying to finalize that contract and get it uh, across the finish line. Obviously, this is the end of a search that saw them reach out to nine offensive coordinator candidates. I had a 10th in Kellen Moore, whose interview uh, was not allowed by the team that currently employs him, the Chargers. Uh, and so now you have uh, a, a new offensive overseer at Hallis Hall, and it's a guy in Shane Waldron who's got uh, – Previous play calling experience, which I think was one of the more attractive things of his candidacy, three years in Seattle, uh, working first with Russell Wilson and then pivoting into the two seasons with with Geno Smith. He's got experience working under Bill Belichick, Sean McVay, Pete Carroll. Um, energetic, on the rise coach, according to, to, to people within league circles, a good teacher. But David, I said uh, a couple times on Monday that you get a lot of praise for guys in the hiring process, right? When someone's hired, there's a lot of hopeful, optimistic visions about what they can be in their new setting. It's a wait and see to see how he will marry up with whoever the Bears choose at quarterback and how that will ultimately uh, lead to results. But uh, out of the gates, you've got a guy that that comes highly recommended. I think your words are wise. And if you look back at probably every offensive coordinator the Bears have gone through over the last six to 10 years, a lot of the same things were said when they were identified as the guy, you know, the yeah. energy, the communication skills, the innovation, the history, the pedigree, all the things. I, I will say this, you know, Shane Waldron has has people in his past that not are only just considered really good football guys, but some of the best of the best. Bill Belichick worked for him. Sean McVay worked for him. Pete Carroll worked for him came into the coaching profession as a as a graduate assistant at Notre Dame under Charlie Weiss, who at the time was really highly thought of in the industry. And, you know, you're the head coach at Notre Dame. So you, you know, I, I kidded on, on the Mullion Haw show about that. Those were the days when Charlie Weiss did have a schematic decided schematic advantage over his uh, peers. And Shane Waldron was in on that from the ground floor. So I do think that in this case, Sometimes when you are numbed by the platitudes or by the things that sound the same, you're more impressed by the pedigree or the background. And Shane Waldron does have an impressive background. Well, there's some flexibility here. And I mentioned the pivot from Russell Wilson to Geno Smith and obviously unlocking Geno Smith to a level where he had a career year in 2022. Went to the Pro Bowl, was named the NFL's Comeback Player of the Year uh, for the the success that he had within that season. Well, even within this past season, when Geno Smith uh, was out for a couple of weeks, he had a pivot on the fly uh, to Drew Locke. And in one of those games, it was um, Right before we got on here, I finished watching the final drive of probably the only person in America today to watch the final drive of Seahawks Eagles from week 15. But that's a game where, where the Seahawks spent all week. 
Hey everyone, this is Brett Boone. Would you know it? I've got a podcast going strong in our fourth year. Tune in as I sit down with my friends, some of the biggest names in sports, media, entertainment, for a lot of fun and in-depth conversations. As you know, baseball's been my life. It's been in the family for a long time, but it's a lot more than that here. It's sort of like taking a ride in a golf cart around a beautiful track. Join me every week for multiple episodes on the Brett Boone Podcast, available on the Odyssey app or wherever you get your podcasts. Preparing two quarterbacks to play. Didn't know if Geno Smith was going to be ready. He ultimately wasn't ready. Drew Locke played, and they didn't have a great offensive game, but in a game-on-line moment, backed up inside their own 10 with under two minutes to go, they went and, and put together a 92-yard game-winning touchdown drive that kept their playoff hopes alive at that time. And so um, you watch that, and then he comes back six days later when they go back to Geno Smith, and they have another uh, game-winning drive, uh, touchdown drive in the final minute to beat the Tennessee Titans, you see some things where you go, okay, like there's, there's, there's some, some nice things to watch here and, and dissect and analyze and try to figure out how they'll translate going forward. Um, it's not just the quarterbacks either. Kenneth Walker, the last couple of years has had a pretty good run and that's kind of uh, true to Shane Waldron's uh, strive to create balance in his offense as well. And that's gotta be a mandate for Matt Eberflus. The fact that if you are the head coach and you're a defensive minded head coach, as they say, you want to have the complimentary football, which is always the goal. You don't want to have bring in somebody that's going to, you know, abandon the running game or that's going to be your biggest concern. I think that was the kind of the runaway fear people started expressing about Cliff Kingsbury. I don't think it was founded. And I do wonder what uh, the purpose of that interview was now that all is said and done. I wonder if it was as much of a vetting process to find out information about Caleb Williams as much as it was to consider him as a play caller, but it doesn't, it's a kind of a moot point at this, at this stage, but I do think Shane Waldron brings you some balance brings you, you know, some experience with developing Kenneth Walker with developing uh, Drew Locke quickly and also um, reviving Geno Smith's career. He, he, he was, but you know, again, you don't know about these reports. He came to Seattle as a hand pick hand picked offensive coordinator from Russell Wilson. And so it tells you that he has, a lot of respect in the league. And I think the Bears probably feel like they've upgraded to that spot. And I think they needed to. Dan, I do wonder this, what you think. Um, there are two things that you wonder when this is made made uh, known. Number one, what say will he have in the decision at quarterback? And secondly, if it's just coincidence or I'm wondering if you think that because they have the same agent, if this was something that, uh, accelerated the process or had anything to do with making him a more desired candidate in the eyes of the Bears? Yeah, I can't say one way or the other on that one. It's obviously Matt and Ryan share the same agent, which is now the same agent that that uh, Shane Aldrin has. I believe Luke Getze is a, a client of Trace Armstrong's as well. This is not as uncommon in the league as um, people might think. It, it is notable for certain because it is you know, part of a, a tree or a family, as you will. And, and the Bears obviously reached out, as we mentioned a, a few minutes ago, to a, a handful of candidates, had nine interviews, known and an attempt that got shut down. So I, I don't really know what to make of it. Um, going forward to your first question, which is, I think is, is incredibly significant is it's really going to be intriguing to see what level of input Shane Waldron has uh, in the, the quarterback process, because you're going to want to have things married up. You know, you're going to want to have a coordinator's vision married up with the quarterback you select. You're going to want to have an understanding of what works and what doesn't. And so I would have to imagine that while Ryan Poles will be the ultimate decision maker there, that that the, the process of 
soliciting feedback, having these people alongside him over the next three months to go on these trips, to be next to him when, when prospects come into Hallis Hall to vet these prospects, that you would want a high level of input from the person that's going to be calling the plays and running the offense for said quarterback. And so that's going to be really interesting to see. I'm not sure yet when the first time we'll hear from Shane Waldron uh, in the media will be, but there's going to be a lot of pretty pointed questions that need to be asked right out of the gates just to get a, a greater feel for his attraction to this job, the Bears' attraction to him, and where it goes from here. The only reason I asked the aging question is I, I do agree with you. It, people would be surprised at how many um, guys are, are similar that th- these agents represent. It's not a big group of people, but when you have a, a relationship, it, it, I, I think the implication is sometimes can be almost like sinister or underhanded. It makes people suspicious. But I also wonder if it could be uh, help kind of bridge the gap with things like, okay, I know this guy is going to be more accepting of, of having the offensive line coach and the tight ends coach already there. He's not going to be resistant. He would be somebody worth calling because this app would not be a deal breaker, whereas for some people it might be. So Chris Morgan being here, um, Jim, Dre. Jim Dre being here, that, that won't be as much of an impediment, obviously, because if it was, he wouldn't have taken the job. And maybe they know this kind of intel before they pursue it based on the fact that they share an agent. So it can be work it can, it can work to your advantage as much as it can be used or held against you because the implication being that you're just having this one agent, you know, kind of pick guys in as pawns and put them where he wants to on, on a on a kind of a, a game board. Right. Well, now there's three more significant hires that need to be made on that side of the ball with a quarterback's coach who's going to be instrumental in developing whatever quarterback is chosen to be the, the the starter in 2024 and beyond uh you're going to need a new receivers coach you're going to need a new running backs coach and so that process has to uh get going in a way that will make um Shane Waldron both comfortable and competent as he goes forward in in his new role here in Chicago I think when you you kind of see some of the the things that have been written said and um some of the track records of Shane Waldron you're going to you're going to hear some of those things that that tell you why he would have connected with Matt Eberflow so readily his his desire to play complimentary football his desire to establish the run his desire to eliminate turnovers first and foremost above anything else and then when opportunities present themselves to seize um, big play opportunities you go ahead and do that in Seattle he had an opportunity with a, a receiving core loaded with big play weapons to you know turn loose DK Metcalf to turn loose Tyler Lockett this last year to get Jackson Smith and Jigba going a little bit um, so you're going to hear some familiar rhetoric when Shane Waldron takes over. Uh, The other one that that comes in there um, is his desire for player input in game which is something that was said to me on, on Monday morning. And that is one of the reasons that I believe for all three seasons, but it, it, at least this last year, he called the plays from the sideline because he likes feeling that and not having to communicate from up in a box over a headset and trying to get intel on what's happening on the field that can help him make some of those uh, all-important in-game uh, tweaks to what you're doing. This is a general comment, probably not terribly fair and certainly speculative, but I wonder if the fact that he is – all these guys have to be pretty well-versed or experienced in dealing with what I would refer to as high-maintenance personalities. So, you know, Russell Wilson in his last year at Seattle, my sense is that based on what we heard about the reporting of that and then the transition to Denver and all those things, was probably a little bit of a high-maintenance guy. So you, <laughs> you, would have to, you would have to have a play caller or an offensive coordinator that is somewhat tolerant – of 
high maintenance players because they maybe believe, well, you know what, put them in the best position to succeed. We'll put up with the idiosyncrasies and still get the most out of him. I don't know if that happened or not in Seattle, but I think that you have the, my perception is you had a willingness on Shade Waldron's part to, to play the game and to try to get the most out of his quarterback. Why is that relevant in Chicago? Well, it could be very relevant if you go ahead and you draft Caleb Williams and there are questions to be answered about his readiness for an NFL franchise quarterback role, uh, his maturity, the human being, the character issues that have come under scrutiny, certainly. And I do think you have somebody in Shane Waldron that has, has at least dealt with high maintenance personalities and done so rather, you know, at least he has the experience in doing that. Yeah, I mean, I laugh out loud. Well, two reasons I laugh out loud. Number one, I'm going to need studs to pull up our pilot episode of Take the North, where I know we laid out a mission statement of what we were going to be. And I was checking my bullet points. I couldn't find them here in my office, but probably not fair and certainly speculative, I don't think was on our original mission statement. So just kidding on that one, Dave. Okay. That's fair. That's fair. My my second laugh was thinking back to Mark Tressman and and you talk about having to deal with some high maintenance personalities and trying to figure that out. It didn't go so well, right? Like that, that, that got off the rails quickly when the Brandon Marshall's and Martellus Bennett's of the world, you know, needed more out of, (laughs) out of the head coach and offensive mastermind than they were able to get. And and Jay Cutler and anybody else that you might want to consider in that offense as as having a little bit of a personality that requires some, some molding. So this is a job that requires communication skills. It is a, a job that requires, you know, relationship skills because this is a roller coaster. That's not easy to ride at all times. And to your point with a, um, young rookie, pro- probably possibly coming on board here in the next few months. You you, you got to have somebody that provides that steadiness. I actually thought that that was one of the strongest um, parts of the union between Justin Fields and Luke Getzey was that 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 they collectively were good for one another and steadying a pretty rocky ride, you know, and, and riding that roller coaster with some, some grace and equilibrium that, that isn't common. And so hopefully uh, Shane Waldron can find the same sort of setup with whatever quarterback he's overseeing.